All right, welcome everybody. We got another episode of 77 going on 21. I'm the old man of the crew. Uh, I am Dwight at 5172, the letters TO214. Um, Join yet again with the brains of the operation, the young prodigy, young SJ at SJ Basketball and the number eight. Um, SJ, how you feeling this fine, beautiful? Uh, Friday afternoon. Doing all right. Doing all right. Can't complain. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Having a, a it's beautiful weather here in Texas. It's not hot. Um, it's yeah, nice little breeze. So I can't complain. Life is good. It's good. Good. Cool. Cool. So guys, um, and as far as Mavs land slash NBA land, Nothing eventful has really taken place at all over last, I think, week and a half since we dropped this last pod. <clears throat> Only thing that did take place is Frankie Smokes. Frank Nilakina is officially signed. Um, he is a Dallas Maverick. Our brother, our boy, young Michael Bibbins, <laughs> he is excited. Um he, what Dennis Smith Jr. is to me, that is, and me and Slingy, that is what Frankie Smokes is to Bib. So I'm happy he's happy, but I guess as we'll get into earlier, do we think, because they, they gave Frank a guaranteed contract, right? To yeah, say, for uh, this year. Yeah, this wasn't a, a training camp invite. This isn't a, um, you know, partially guaranteed. No, Buddy is getting a, his whole check for this whole year. So, in my opinion, that means there's there's an expectation he's on. He's one of the 15 dudes on the roster, right? Mm-hmm. So, I guess we can get into it. Frankie Smokes, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you lead. How you, how you feel about adding him to the roster? What do you think he adds? Is he uh, French West Wando? What are we talking about? <laughs> um, honestly, I think French Wesawando is a good um comparison <laughs> because one, he's not gonna play. Like I feel like these signings, they're kind of like you know, these are back end signings. We're free agency, you know, training camp opens soon. So these signings are the signings that, in the grand scheme, like shouldn't matter. But you know, relative to our team, I think. Frank, I think this should have kind of been expected. Like Bibbs was onto something, like because the Mavs they were interested in Frank, um, you know, before the 2017 draft, and he went once was it one spot or two spots? Yeah, he went one or two spots ahead of um, I think it was one spot ahead of Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, um, I think he was. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so he he went eighth, right? I thought it was seventh. Or seventh. seventh. Dennis was the ninth pick, wasn't he? Yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, Frank, actually, no, it was uh, Frank with eighth, Dennis went ninth. You had it right. Ninth, okay, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so. um, Lori Marketing was seventh. Yeah, Lori Marketing. (laughs) That's another one that we were, yeah, but anyway, so Frankie, um, the Mavs were interested in him. So it's not a surprise that they took a look pretty much the first second that he became a free agent, especially since, um, you know, he kind of didn't develop the way the Knicks kind of wanted him to. And part of that is because 
he was, you know, he came into the league. They were trying to develop him as a point guard. I think at this point, you can kind of, like, you can kind of know and tell that Frank is not a point guard. Like, he he could be a secondary kind of ball handler, playmaker, because, you know, he can dribble the ball and he can pass. You know, he can make good reads, um, et cetera, out of the pick and roll. But scoring out of the pick and roll is a huge issue for him. He can't really... On twos last year, I believe he was like 19% on two-point shots or something of the sort. So he really can't score <laughs> inside the arc. And even outside the arc, um, he shot, what what is it, like 48% on Catherine? Like, that's just an outlier number. Like, I think he's more of a career. I don't want to make up numbers, but it's the low 30s um, in three-point shooting. So, like, you know he's not much of a shooter and he can't score inside the arc. So, offensively, he's not giving you anything, which is fine because he's not going to play here. <laughs> like like you said, he, he has a guaranteed deal. It's a one plus one. So, next year is a team option. So, if he, you know, shows something this year, we can get him back for the low next year. And if he doesn't, it's no kind of no risk. We can just let him go. So, um, he's not going to play, but he's someone that, he has a skill, an NBA skill that can get him minutes on the floor, and that's defense. And I know the last time we saw him in an NBA game, it kind of wasn't great because they put him in for the last position. Of um, well, I don't think that was the last time he played, but, but he, he um, got in that cooked, game one, yeah, he got floor, cooked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got cooked on that um Trey Young shot. So that 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 wasn't great, but we know that he can clamp up like that's a given he has a what seven one wingspan and he's like six four so he he can clamp up but he can't score so um I think he takes like Trey Burke's spot Trey Burke wasn't really playing anywhere apart from spot minutes so I think that's what Frank will get like I doubt he's gonna like log zero minutes um you know for like most of the season but I think they'll put him in in spot minutes and if he does well in the spot minutes I think that's just great for the Mavs. I don't see him playing a huge role. I see people thinking, like, I know when we make signings, it's kind of instinctive to think about, like, the ceiling of the signing rather than what it actually would would be. You know what I mean? So you're thinking, oh, Frank can come here, you know, be a playmaker off the bench. You know, he can defend. He can, like, knock down threes. And instead of him being a point guard, he can just focus on being a three and D guy and like that's the best case scenario you know what I mean that's the best case scenario of of everything that's more than likely not gonna happen what's more likely is he's gonna you know come in maybe in a game if we're getting cooked you know by some guards you might put him in for a couple possessions see if we can get a stop or two you know just to kind of shake things up and disrupt the rhythm of the other team that's what I see his role being spot minutes see if he can do something with it essentially so um this shouldn't be in my opinion this shouldn't be something that that's like huge and changes like the whole math of the Mavs current roster I don't think so but um if you're optimistic I I understand that as well this is a low risk high reward kind of or I wouldn't say high reward but low risk decent reward (laughs) situation yeah, uh, I, I, I agree. Like, uh, just to, I guess, emphasize what you were saying, uh, Frank shot like 48% from three last year. 
Yeah. On one attempt. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, it is. Like, I mean, in in comparing him to Wes and Wando, like Wes was only taking one attempt and still shooting twenty percent for his career. Yeah. So I mean, at least that's a thing, right? At least that's you know who knows. Maybe you get him up to if if you get Frank up to three a game and he's shooting thirty six percent with his defense and passing ability. You know that makes him. Uh, oh, he has to get minutes. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a solid rotation player in the NBA. So for a league minimum contract, I'm good with it. Like I'm fine with it, and he's still a young dude. Um, he he still can develop. I still think there's enough there. Um, I am kind of curious because he seems like the type of dude that would fit with Tibbs. Like he, I don't. He wasn't really hurt that much last year. And he only played in like half, less than half the game. So he was racking up them DMPs. He was over there yeah. chilling. But yeah. that might be tips because after everything I just said, kind of he threw him into the fire when Trey cooked him. For, it wasn't a game winner, but it essentially, I guess, game ender, if you will. Because yeah. it was pretty much a wrap after that. So I think he recognizes his talent, but maybe just doesn't, doesn't I don't know didn't just didn't play him as much in the regular season as he should have. I, I can't call it, but all in all, like, I don't mind it. Um, my whole big thing, the reason why I was so pro uh, signing Dennis Smith Jr. to Trey Burke's roster spot was because I just don't think Trey Burke can play. I don't. I think um, You think I, Dennis Smith Jr. can play? I think there's a better chance Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank Nilakina will eventually be able to play or be able to contribute to a winning team. Like, it's a low chance, right? But there's a chance. You know what I'm saying? So, whereas, okay. So whereas, with, whereas with Trey Burke, nah, man, no. That ship is sailed, in my opinion. Like, that, you know, he, has a, he had an outlier performance in the bubble. That's cool. It's all well and good. We get it. But Dennis came. I mean, Trey, he, he's just not NBA rotation player. I think, to me, in our, our, I guess, our little Twitter argument over Trey Burke versus Dennis, the thing that got, to me, an NBA team basically told Trey to go home. And they were desperate for shot creation. That was Philly and 2019 2020 they were desperate for guard shot creation guard scoring i mean desperate and they still told that man to go home paid him to go home and he was like 26 27 it's not like he was yeah. some old cantankerous dude they was like you know what just go home you're that bad and he sat at home for four months no other team was like give him a shot until willie collie stein had his kid and um you know, didn't show up for the bubble. And the Mavs was just like, shit, we got to call somebody. Trey was, a, I guess, good in the locker room. Like, when you come to the bubble, he came. He had a nice little run. He got his money. We we know what it is, right? The point I'm trying to, I, that the whole long with the spill is, Trey, I, to me, is kind of proving he can't play. And I don't think Dennis or Frank are any, are locks by to to be in the league in three years but if i had to bet money i think frank and dennis are going to be 
have a higher chance of being in the NBA in the next three years in Trey Burke. That's my two cents about it. Okay, but being in the NBA and doing what is the question? Because here's the thing, like, you say that they have a – Trey Burke can't play, and he's kind of proven that he can't play. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Fair assessment. But you're saying that Dennis Smith Jr. and even Frank, that they have a chance to at least um, become something. And my question is, they for that to happen – they have to be on a team and on a roster that's kind of rebuilding and really kind of giving those developmental minutes. I feel like there's a, there's kind of, I won't say confusion, but there's this, like, I feel like there's this disconnect between our aspirations for the team and what the team actually wants to do and other things that we're trying to say. So like, we want the team to win like all off season, you know, all the fans, everyone was, we weren't happy with another first round exit. We wanted to go deeper into the playoffs. The team wasn't happy as well. They want to go deeper into the playoffs. But at the same time, during the season, we were annoyed that Rick wasn't playing rookies that couldn't play. You know what I mean? And we were um, annoyed that we weren't like focusing on development, but it's hard to win in the NBA and develop at the same time. So it's all off season. We wanted pieces that could help us win now. At the same time, I feel like you guys are like advocating for these projects to come in and try to develop at the same time that we want to win. I don't think it will work out. So to me, it's, I was thinking that granted your 15th man, like rotations in the NBA, like all 15 guys are never playing, you know, in, on, on a given night, that doesn't happen. However, wasting roster spots to projects that won't play because we're trying to win now, to me, it it just doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really make a difference. So I don't think if if Dennis Smith Jr. or Frank, if they really wanted to like revive their career, I mean, maybe not Frank, he's a different scenario, but Dennis Smith Jr. especially, if he wanted to like revive his career, I don't think the Mavericks, (laughs) I don't think our team is the best place for him to be Detroit was a good place for him to be but they didn't want him (laughs) you know what I mean OKC would be a good place for him you know those kind of teams that have the minutes to give him to you know develop and Dennis would be a hell of a tank commander in OKC they actually oh yeah they need need to call him like right now because exactly he he's gonna sign for the minimum and like like he's gonna play in this thing Shea is just too good like you play yeah. him too. and they have guards that they want to look at they have yeah. Maladon, they want to see they just drafted giddy so they yeah. they have guards that they yeah. it's just tough i know I, th- I think with dennis the reason why i think frank was like dude frank was i, I could be wrong i gotta remember the tweet because it's hilarious because bibs tweeted it retweeted it it was some article posted that frank was about to agree with a team in europe and I just remember, I, for some odd reason, I made a mental note of that a few months ago. And the next yeah. thing I know, he's getting a fully guaranteed deal with uh, us. It's kind of weird how that changed. And I feel like we've talked about this man too much, but I do think this maybe, along with some other things, like our, our, our boy, uh, Goran Dragic, he, he is in Toronto, bond, oh, yeah. bonding. 
And I don't think it's a coincidence that, like, as soon as Gorn pulled up in Toronto, Frank got signed when he was on his way to Europe. So maybe that's it. Maybe they don't think Gorn is coming when they thought he would. Maybe things changed. And um, maybe that's what's going on. But I'll, I'll say this. I'm happy Frankie Smokes is here. I'll take Frankie here in Dallas. I would have preferred Dennis Smith Jr., I know you're going to disagree because I do think Dennis, I, my, my issue with Frank is he's a plus defender, sure, but he's so bad offensively that like just getting, I, I don't, I mean, he can pass, but we say that in quotation marks because if you can't score at all, you basically have to be like prime Jason Kidd slash Magic Johnson playmaking wise to adjust for that to how the defense is going to react to you and uh and how much harder you're going to make it on your teammates with you on the floor but i mean if buddy just league average his he's a good enough defender to where passing aside if he can just make good passes out of a closeout and becomes a league average i'm talking 35, 36% three-point shooter on like three attempts a game. That's an NBA rotation player, in my opinion. Um, when it comes to Dennis, I mean, I think Dennis is an okay passer. Um, I think Dennis is a still threat. Like we joke, only thing he does is dunk, but I mean, he can beat a man off the dribble and he he's a league average or slightly below average def- uh, finisher at the rim. The jumper is still broke. I, I'll be candid. I don't know if it'll ever be fixed without him. I don't know. I, I really don't know. But at the end of the day, we talking about the 15 man on the bench. I'm just happy Trey Burke is gone. I know that sounds really mean. I know that sounds bad. But Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nilakina, whoever it is. And I, I will take a lottery pick in talent with athletic upside versus a dude who was a, he's, Trimberg seems like a good dude. God bless him. He went to Michigan. My dad loves him. My brother loves him. God bless Trimberg, but I want something. I want a different option for that 15 spot. Um, to kind of touch on something you said earlier, how you brought up, <clears throat> it's hard to win and develop a young player. I agree. I concur. Um, you know, that, that's to play the rookies last year. I think a lot of our beef with playing the rookies last year was that there was a point in the season where we were getting our ass kicked anyway, so you might as well play them, right? Like, especially during the COVID stretch. Like, we won one in them. We won one anyway, so you might as well get them to do some They played during the COVID. Like, I feel like some things, and I get it's a long season, so you're not, like, you're not gonna retain everything. I felt like, like with the exception of Tarotar, he didn't get much burn, right? For real. But like Josh played, Josh Green played during COVID, and he was not good. No, <laughs> he wasn't not really at all. Good. No, not so like at they, all. You know, West played. West played a lot. He wasn't very good. <laughs> you know, like James Johnson played a lot. He wasn't. So I feel like 
Dog, like, James Johnson was playing, playing. Like, <laughs> yeah, he was like starting, playing heavy minutes. Like, he was playing. But yeah, Josh got a good chunk of minutes. He wasn't good. And Tyra Terry, I, he got some minutes too. I remember him being like in a game and he was horrible. So, like, it's 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 just hard. It's it's hard. They weren't very good. <laughs> so that that was the issue. They just weren't good. And we wanted to see if they could, you know, show a little something, but they couldn't. They really couldn't. <laughs> and it was just is what it was. Tyler Bay, the the cult hero, he was like the fan base's hero, and he's he's not in the league. <laughs> Down he will, he will be in the league, you know. So. I never was too high on Tyler Bay, and I think it's, man, I hate bringing up old stuff, but, man, the picks that were Josh Green, Ty Terry, and Tyler Bay should have been packaged for an NBA player. Yeah. They just should have been. I was screaming it from the mountaintops that night. Rick was the coach. There was no way in hell them three dudes were going to be able to play, period. And anyway, I think you're right, man. I, I'm just hoping, like, now that we have a new coaching staff, maybe we can get our, you know, campaign. We get our, hell, with Milwaukee has been doing for a while now, taking, picking up dudes off the scrap heap and basically telling them, hey, you just do this. Don't, quote, unquote, try to develop. Just do the things you're good at on a high level and improve some things and maybe we can recoup some value. I just, I prefer that as unlikely as it is versus Trey Burke. I just do. I just do. That's just me though. That's fair. Um, Something that became official yesterday, we didn't talk about this in the, I guess the pregame meeting, but hey dog, the gamblers, the gamblers officially gone, my guy. Yes. He's gone, and he blocked me on Twitter. So that that (laughs) (laughs) you blocked me because I called him corny. So that was bad. I, I, this is my theory on it. I thought he was going to be fired, quote unquote, with quotation marks. And what I mean by fired, he was like when you pull up the payroll of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, the gambler's social security number wasn't going to be on it. Like, he wasn't going to get a check from the Dallas Mavericks. But I did think that Cuban would keep him on his personal payroll just to do work and, like, whisper in his ear, like, on some Game of Thrones type shit, like, off-the-record advisor, master of, of whispers type shit. However, as spicy as he's been about that press release, nah, man. There's there's lightweight some beef slash tension over that. That's interesting to me. That's very interesting to me how this all played out. I don't know. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think? So I I listened to McMahon um yesterday when he was talking about it on the jump and also saw Brad's um article. Yeah. But yeah, um essentially. Like, I found first, I found his tweet, why I got blocked. He made a tweet saying that he, you know, didn't comment on it since the season ended, but he asked to be let out his contract. Apparently, they denied that request, and then he kind of just waited for it to be expired and stuff. So I called him corny because I'm like, why are you, like, detailing all of this now? Like, well, whatever. So that was that. So 
McMahon was saying that um, basically Tim Cato, this is him. This is this is all him. His his reporting ever since that article came out and like basically Volgaris, he was kind of like at the center of everything. Apparently, like he had no interest in, in you know being the center of any drama. Mm. Um, yeah, and Nico felt the same way. Like the new like front office, they felt the same way. They didn't want any drama. Volgaris, he didn't want to be like the center of the drama. So it was kind of like since then they knew that he was he wasn't going to come back so they said all free like even though the news broke like yesterday they knew like pretty much all summer that he he wouldn't be back so um i mean that should have been a given as well to all of us even if we didn't see any official news just because like that report you know and mark doubling down saying that it, you know it was bs and then carlisle and donnie leaving like a couple days after that like it, it it was just like the writing was on the wall then and if if the star doesn't like you then it, it just it's it's not gonna work out for you in an organization so i mean i would say best of luck to bob in his future endeavors but i that would be a lie so I'm just glad he's away from my team and that's one less person interfering with decisions that they shouldn't be really interfering with because um as you know I'm I still like Josh I mean I feel like I need to preface this before I say this but he was the one that made the you know Josh Green pick when the scouts wanted you know we don't know exactly who the scouts wanted um I feel like everyone says oh the scouts wanted Bay there was no official report about that we just know the scouts were looking elsewhere so um and I I would assume that the scouts had better you know scouting reports on the prospects and probably would have picked a more um productive rookie but that that's fine so yeah he was just interfering with rotations and everything of the sort so I'm I'm just glad that's that's seemingly done and we only have to worry about you know Cuban trying to you know butt in and interfere with people's jobs so um. Yeah, I think this was obvious and just happy he's gone. Yeah, it's we needed that man out to paint. Um, I could see Cuban being so damn arrogant that he would uh still keep him on the payroll just out of spite. Yeah. That's how Cuban is, but the fact he he didn't he doesn't want to admit it to the public or whoever or whatever happened, but do don't work there <laughs> they waited three months to announce he wouldn't be working there because they could have as soon as they knew um they could have been like yeah bob won't be here blah 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 whatever still could have paid him through the end of this contract that's something that could have been worked out on the back end so yeah. the fact they finally got rid of him shows cuban I don't know. I, I don't see how anybody could view this announcement as anything as a positive. Um, yeah. It, it's just a positive. We got to get the gambler out the paint. Even if the gambler had the secret to basketball in a mathematical formula, bro, you got to go. You just got to go. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been on Twitter as much. I've actually had to do some work during the day. But from my understanding, there's an implication that uh, 
the gambler actually is responsible for drafting Luca and had to talk them dudes into it. Do you think that that's true? true? How do you, how that's do you, how, like, there, there, that, that, I guess, rumor or energy? That's not true. Okay. Cause I was just <laughs> like, not true. I'm thinking, like, that's like saying, I don't know, like, it's Luca Doncic. It's literally the most accomplished yeah, European player. <laughs> It's the most accomplished draft eligible European player in the history of professional basketball. How much talking did you really have to do, right? Yeah, like that's not you, true at you, all. you know what I mean? Like I, I just like I wasn't even that high on Luca pre-draft, and as a as a layperson, I'm still like, yeah, I don't know, but his resume is his resume, and he's still six eight. Like exactly, like he's not gonna be and a point guard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I get, he's not that athletic, but I mean, I don't know. I, I just I'm thought taking that... a big point guard. That might be my bias, but I'm taking a big point guard over most, you know, over most um most prospects. But that's not true. Uh, it's even documented that Donnie had scouted Luca like when he was like a teen teen and I think, that, he, I think he knew Luca since he was like 13 or 14 13 or exactly like that. so that's not true it's, it was it's been documented yet yeah, Donnie had been scouting Luca since he was like a child so he had his eyes like it was they were waiting kind of waiting for um Luca essentially so yeah no Bob did not talk anybody I think the the I think the issue was around the time was just shit where we have the fifth pick Luca's not going to be here at five what do you want to do I I think that 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 was what the issue was so it was like do we want to trade the farm to trade up and get Luca or do we want to just you know there's a lot of good prospects we want to stay put and like pick Wendell Carter Jr. or something (laughs) or you know like or should we trade this pick should we take on salary I think that was the main issue Uh, I I don't think it was yes I don't think he might have talked him into trading next year's first to get Luca pick yeah but not but not that Luca was actually good it was Luca is the guy but how much better is he than Wendell Carter Jr. and whatever yeah exactly that that actually makes a lot more sense because when I read that, I'm just like, mm, it's pretty much on the record. Donnie Nelson has been lightweight tampering slash stalking. <laughs> exactly. Lucas, since he was a, since he's a child. Yeah, so that's that's what it was. So, yes, don't let them trick for all our audience listening. Do not <laughs> let them trick you with propaganda. That, that's, no, that's not true. Yeah. So, yeah, happy... And another thing, I think kind of flew under the radar. I don't know how many people listened to the whole thing on McMahon, but um, like, I guess, I mean, we, we kind of know this because we see it on the court, but Luca's a yeller, you know, and yeah. McMahon says that Luca pretty much yells at everybody. <laughs> and Bob was like a recipient of some of those yellings. And McMahon also said that this Bob like being you know gone that's actually not um because the question was posed to him like oh is this um is letting you know Bob go gonna make things better for Luca and the Mavs and the Mavs you know plans in trying to retain Luca and you know McMahon was saying he was like well obviously the Supermax that Luca just signed that's the main piece of the puzzle in him you know staying long term but 
actually the Rick leaving was actually a bigger deal than Bob. Really? Yeah. Man, that, <laughs> said, that's, that's Yeah, I, I, I didn't see anyone talking about it, so I figured no one like listened to it. But um, yeah, he said that Rick leaving was actually more, that was a bigger deal than Bob actually leaving in terms of Luca, because yeah, him and Carla really didn't get along. <laughs> it was like, a, it, was, it was real strange. I, I've, uh, you know, I've kind of, I'd say if there was a, a side, I've always kind of leaned on Rick because Rick, we, we just watched Rick cobble, he's a championship coach and he's cobbled together objectively shitty rosters to like 500, right? Old Dirk yeah. and OJ Mayo and the crew went like 500, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and even before we won a championship, like we were supposed to win a playoff series with Antoine Wright as a starting two guard. Like, it's just, Rick's done good things, so I always lean towards Rick. For, and that's why I always typically defended him when people would talk about firing him. But it was time for dude to go because the thing I know about Rick is once he has worn, he gets on, he's an asshole and he gets on people's nerves. That's a fact. That's just an objective statement of fact. It's happened pretty much everywhere he's ever been. As, as smart as he is, he's he's an arrogant, smart guy. You know what I mean? And he just wears on people. So I knew it was time for Rick to go. Um, I wish the best for him, but I, I go back to Luca's first game. Yeah, I remember it. It was ESPN. We played Phoenix, and he mm-hmm. they, they showed it. He dead ass looked at him and said, hey, man, um, don't shoot so many step back threes. They're hard shots. And I just remember, like, Luca never stopped, bro. He never stopped. He never stopped. No. Nope. Thank- thankfully. And that's kind of his signature shot. And I just, it just, I think he even had, a, I think when the report came out, when uh, Tim Cato first broke the the gambler story, like, they, Rick even had, like, a, a damn t- meeting with like the GM with Donnie oh, yeah. and everybody should you should we keep letting him shoot them threes and I'm thinking Rick it's time to go like that, that you can't you can't coach him no more the fact that that bothered you so much just, just on, a, on a tanking team too at that like it wasn't like they were trying to win and like Lucas here chucking up bad shots like I get the accountability aspect of it not trying to like foster bad habits but you know like you gotta evaluate the talent that you have and this is a guy that you know is touted as a generational talent so you can't really put a leash on guys like that yeah you 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 got you can't rein those dudes in especially in the situation that we were in um you just gotta let him go and I, I just think about where Luca's game would be at and I think where Luca is trying to take his game to um you know, he just needs a better coach now I have no freaking idea if Jason Kidd is the answer yeah. but I know Rick ain't and that's why I just refuse to believe that Jason Kidd with everything he's done is gonna just be the old Jason Kidd I'm surprisingly uh, I'm surprisingly optimistic about Jason Kidd as we get closer to the start of the season. And fam, I, I know this opinion 
probably differs dramatically from our corner of Twitter. I'm actually, now that it's here and I'm just looking at these other teams, man, I think the Mavs going to be all right. Like, I actually think we're going to be, let me, well, now let me take that back. In the regular season, we will be all right. I think we have built a team that's going to be better than last year's was in the regular season. We got the same ceiling in the playoffs, in my opinion, as what this roster is currently constructed. But I think Luka's going to get his European James Harden on, probably win an MVP or come close to it. And I think we're going to win more games than we should. Like, I think third or fourth seed in the West is on the table. And I know that sounds crazy, but I really think it is. And I think tall man, I don't think tall man will be what we hope he is, but next year will be the best season for the rest of tall man's career. I truly believe it. Like, I think tall man is going to play the best basketball he's ever going to play the rest of his career next season. Now, after next season, just due to the likelihood of big dudes, his height getting injured. I'm not making any bets after next season, but I think next season is going to be good for him. And I think we're going to be good. I really, really do. Dragic or not. I don't know why. I've just been looking objectively at these other teams and I'm like, man, we ain't no much better than us, if at all. The West is really spread out. The only teams that I just feel have a distinct talent advantage are the old man Lakers and they don't really fit basketball in 2021 and the Suns and that's it. After that, I'm not scared of nobody else. And I mean, that, that's fair. That is fair. I'm intrigued again, like you said, of how I'm intrigued with how Luca is going to play too, because another thing that was um, that was mentioned in all the reports was that like when Luca played, like he played to short brick sometimes. So like, yeah. so like with that element out of it, like how is he really going to play? Like, are the horrible shots going to stop? Like, you know, and I know Jake Kidd, he. He was a great, you know, facilitator when he played, but he also turned that ball over a lot, <laughs> you know, as, yeah. you know, point guards are going to turn the ball over. But he, 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 you know, had a lot of turnovers too because of, you know, the risky passes he would do, you know, maybe trying to force a pass sometimes. So I don't know if he's going to, I don't know if he can spot that and kind of clean that up for Luca, or is he going to kind of lean inc- into it? Yeah, yeah, lean into it. Because at the same time with turning the ball over, you're kind of, it's kind of like, um, yes, you're going to turn the ball over trying to force things or maybe try risky passes, but if it works out, <laughs> it's incredible. So it's it's kind of like a double-edged sword. So, um, yeah, we don't, like, Jason Kidd is such a big question mark. Like, I just, the Mavs are just so hard to predict. It's, it's, it's just so hard. So, yeah, I could see them being three, four as well, but if they're, kind of in the plane mix or trying to like trying hard to like stay out of the plane mix in that you know six range five six range I could I could really see that too it's just yeah. that that coaching staff is a big question mark like I know um Igor you know he should have the offense looking good should I say he should right, but right. we don't we don't know how much power Jason Kidd is giving to you know his assistant coaches like we don't know anything about this man <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's talking about defense. Um, 
his previous defensive scheme in Milwaukee was to trap, <laughs> like to aggressively trap everything. And that was figured out. Like teams was, they figured that out and abused it. So he can't, he can't use that same scheme. And he was under Vogel for, you know, a couple years. So yeah. I don't know if he, you know, picked up some pointers from Vogel. You would, you would hope and you would think that he picked up some stuff from Vogel that he can, you know, kind of relate to this team and implement in the Mavs, you know, schemes. But I, I just don't know. I just hope he – and I see a lot of people thinking that Jason Kidd won't matter. Like, oh, we, we have Luca, you know, a coach. A coach won't – a coach does matter. I feel like people are downplaying, you know, like the coaching downgrade that we just had. Like, I think I think that's being a, a overlooked a bit. I think, yes, from a uh, tech XNO standpoint, mm. right? Um, I do think it's a significant downgrade. But I don't give a damn how good the plays Rick drew up. If everybody in that locker room hated his ass, like, and it just ain't going to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, Rick's been fired before, as I bring up all the time, last you know, first time he got fired, team won a championship the very next year. And I know they hired another Hall of Fame coach, but, you know, it, it, it's, they didn't break the good NBA coaches mold when they made Rick Carlisle. Um, I love Rick. Like I said, I'll defend Rick, but the man ain't won a damn playoff series in a decade, fam. Like, but was he favored to, like, see when, okay, so I get that upsets happen. You know, and I wouldn't say quite often, but upsets happen, you know, and you always want to be on the good end of an upset. But at the same time, if, if you're not favored in a series, I can't really fault you if you lose that series. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they weren't, they were, like, I know in 2011, they weren't favored and they yeah. still won the title. But that's a different, that's different circumstances. Like, if you look at the team. That was a very good team. Right. If you looked at all the, the teams that he had and they weren't, you know, like they weren't favored and the team wasn't all that great. I don't, you know, like they, they lost. I get it. It's like last two years, people make the first round jokes about Luca. We weren't favored. And when right. you stack up those, you know, the Mavs roster versus the Clippers roster, the Clippers are clearly like, they're clearly better. <laughs> like from, oh, yeah. kind of from top to bottom, they're clearly better. So I can't fault them for losing even with a 2-0 lead I still can't and 3-2 lead I, I still can't like fault them for losing just because they weren't supposed to win so that's the only um so yeah Carla hasn't been out of the first round in like a decade yes but I don't I, I don't put too much weight on that and fault him for it too much this is my argument though and I, like I said I'm I'm team Carlisle if if there's a aside if, if it's black or white if it's an a or b choice i'm always take the side of carlisle but the year before we won the championship we got popped by a seven seed like i i think you know i think it's fair at this point even if i don't agree to question carlisle when you take the totality of his coaching career and especially in 2021, if he's the guy to take a team where the best player is 22 or 23 to the next step. I, th I think that's fair. 
Um, I think that's a fair question. I don't think it's fair that he's a, to say he's a bad coach. I don't think it's fair to say he don't know what he's doing. I don't even think it's fair to say he should have got fired before this offseason. I don't think those are fair statements if, if we keep it real, right? Um, but I don't – also, I just think it was time for him to go. And I think his personality is problematic enough to where I don't know if I, – I just don't – I don't think Rick guarantees you anything but competence from a tactical standpoint. And I think with today, I mean, you know, shoot, you, you, you young, you know better than my old, but younger people don't want to be told young people move a different way. Y'all are smarter. Y'all are more aware of y'all value. And then you add that to like <laughs> the best athletes in the world at that age. And it's just like, I don't know if Rick, I don't know if Rick got it for 22 year olds and 23 year olds. So. I'm, I'm, I love Rick. I hope the Indiana Pacers do well, but I, I, I think it was time for Rick to go. I really do. Yeah, it was, it was definitely time for him to go. But I, I'm just saying that those X's and O's, especially in the regular season, it, it wins you games. Like, yeah. it wins you games. So, um, I don't know. what I guess we'll see if Charisma can win <laughs> us some games next season. Jason's kids, you know, kids, Charisma, whatever. They're trying to sell us can win um some games or we don't know I'll, I'll just have to see it right now I'm still a bit optimistic um my optimism is kind of waning as the you know season is starting up you know the honeymoon phase it's kind of you know it's, it's kind of leaving now I the more I think about the team it's not the less I like it it's just some aspects I could see you know being an issue but I'm trying not to think about that yet until it shows up you know and um we will we'll just have to see I, I think they can if we get good internal improvements you know if, if Tim stays solid and if he can even up his points per like I know if, if he can you know get, I know he's been at about 16 points per game you know his last two seasons with the Mavs but if he could get to like 18 that'd be great if Brunson can get up to 14 or maybe even 15 off that bench because I'm looking at that bench, especially with Drogdish looking like he might not come at least definitely for a start of the season. He won't, you know, be on the Mavs. That bench is looking a little rough scoring-wise. Yeah. Like, I don't know if Sterling Brown is going to come and average double digits. I doubt it. But that bench is looking rough. So like, Brunson's the only score off that bench. Maxie's not scoring. You know, Willie Colley signs not scoring like that. Powell's not going to score. Um, Josh Green, we know he's not going to come in and score. So it's like, who's scoring? <laughs> like, it's like, is Brunson going to be the only guy that comes in the game and scores? Um, I think that's a little rough, but I think they could work it out. I think there's trades to be made. You know, there's the exception that uh, there's a rumor. I don't know if you saw the rumor. And I do not, I will preface the source is Evan Massey. He's not a source. <laughs> say he, yeah, he he does not have sources he's he, not reliable but, he pump, pump fakes quite a bit yeah yeah he's he's not reliable so i will just say to take this with a grain of salt but it was an idea that i feel like a lot of people were floating when we were looking at salaries that could fit into the tpe but jeremy lamb he's a guy that they were 
looking at. I mean, I don't know how much. I don't know what. I mean, if if Carlisle wants Trey Burke badly, like if he wants him back really badly, we could give him Trey Burke, <laughs> and we can take um Jeremy Lamb, and whatever. But I don't know. Trades, their trades, still trades to be made. If we start the season kind of shaky, so I don't know. I'm just trying to hold on to optimism for these guys. Yeah, I like I said, I I was kind of bitter after um, free agency and everything that went into it, expectations, everything that it involved. And now that we are here, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of optimistic because I just think I think Luke is going to be in shape. I think uh, I don't think COVID's going to be a thing, and I, I just think we're going to be a lot better. I really do, and I think just luck is going to swing our way. And I think luck plus man, like I I think I, I don't know how many times I've brought this up, but I think the fact that there's dudes that took the needle, they got the vaccine, they're not going to have to. Uh, do all the stuff that COVID protocols involved and in addition to shoot four or five dudes not having COVID, I think it's just gonna improve. I think we're gonna be a lot better next year. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, I'm excited though, man. I Yeah, I'm uh, excited for hoops. I really am. Well, NBA hoops, I should say. The double NBA, uh, my, my heart is still broken. We're recording this on Friday. Yesterday, last night, Thursday, my Liberty, we were eliminated from the playoffs. They do, you know, single eliminations um, in the first round. They kind of give the first to, I think, fourth seed buys. Um, the first seed gets a buy all the way to the semifinals or quarterfinals. Yeah, semifinals. But, um, yeah, my Liberty, we lost by one. On um, We were... 2.7 seconds away from going to OT and you know maybe pulling out a win and we fouled we fouled I didn't see it, what it, what <laughs> it, was, it was it a bad foul was it ticky time it was it was a it was a necessary foul but what preceded the foul was why we had to foul so we double teamed so it was 2.7 seconds left um Phoenix they were the higher seed, so we were trying to pull off an upset. So they were trying to inbound the ball to Brittany Griner. She's the you know most dominant center. I, I would say in history, in WNBA history, she's very dominant center. So we had been double teaming her all night. Like anytime she got the ball in the catch, like we just smothered her, try to either make her take a tough shot over like three people or have her pass. And they inbounded the ball to her. We double teamed her like 15 feet away from the basket for some reason. And that led to Brianna Turner being open under the basket. So Sammy Whitcomb had to foul. So that we lost on a free throw. So yeah, that hurt my heart. That 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 was very hurtful. We were so close. But Nigel Laney, she had been a um kind of success story in the NBA. She was cut from like so many different teams like early in her career that she went to Atlanta and she was, you know, she won most improved, um, you know, working her way up. Then we signed her last off season 
and she's she became an all-star for us this season she was like she's a bucket she's a bucket <laughs> like she's just clutch as they come we were down three under 14 seconds left she just came down walked into a three ice in her veins she I wish she had that moment I wish we had could have gone to OT and her you know so she had like 25 points for her to show out more but it's fine it was an encouraging season so yeah so I would like to promote the WNBA playoffs continues on Sunday so tune in good hoops hey hey I uh I think I'm gonna watch it I yeah it was great the game was excellent last night it was so good yeah, I um I seen folks on the timeline talking about it. Dude, I love basketball so much. I hate to admit this. Yeah. Hell, I watch pickup hoops when my old boy, <laughs> seriously, when my old butt be at the gym and the young boys be in there. Like my knees is, you know, I, I can give them a game, but after about well, a game it, or two, yeah. the knees get to hurt and I'm like, Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and sit it out. I'm gonna let y'all get it. So yeah, we uh Watch WNBA guys. I know our, our our Dallas Wings. They didn't make. Yeah, they got eliminated too. Yeah. Um, they made the playoffs, and yeah, I mean they that was a good game. They were down by like twenty one, and they came all the way back to make it a game. So it's just the experience of they were also going against a higher seed. Yeah, experience took over. They <laughs> yeah, the Chicago Sky were too experienced for them. So yeah, good hoops, and I would say WNBA like they run more sets, so it's less you know, like a player isoing and getting a bucket on their own. So if you're trying to like get into the X's and O's and announcer, I forgot her last name, Pam, Pam Ward, maybe I forgot her name. She's excellent. Like she knows her stuff. So if you ever want to get into more X's and O's side of things, WNBA run a lot of good sets and the announcers kind of keep you up to speed with what's going on. So yeah, watch WNBA. Dope. Did you, uh, oh, before we wrap it up, one more thing I do want to get on. We brought his name up. I feel at this point, there's two people we got to talk about every single pod. That's Goran Dragic and Ben Simmons. Okay. Oh, yeah. So the Raptors are in the tax, but they're only, they're, some of the way their salaries were uh, reported, like I thought they were like 7 million into the tax. No, nah, they only like two million into the tax, and they have enough unguaranteed contracts to where they waive like one. They waive like four dudes that ain't no good, and they already have twenty dudes on like under contract. They have enough unguaranteed money that they can waive, and they're going to have to waive dudes anyway, to where they they won't be in the tax. So, I, I think maybe that realization is why. Gorn pulled up, and I just man, I don't know, I don't know. I when I, um, I want to say basketball. I think Hoop Type had them as like a hundred and forty-four million dollar payroll. I'm like, the salary cap line is one thirty-seven. Ain't no way in hell they paying the tax. We're starting the tax clock for a lottery team, but they're not gonna be a tax team if they waive those dudes. So. We're going, Dragic is going, it's going to be interesting. I still think, I will say this, I'm going to be shocked if once Ben Simmons is finally wherever he's going to be, they finally do something with Goran. Because I think that's, I, mean, I keep saying it, Goran and OG Ananobi and like some draft picks. To me, if I'm Philly, you could talk me into that. And I know that works for Toronto. So we'll see. 
Yeah, yeah. And Goran, yeah, he's not coming. At least yeah. he's not coming until trade deadline. Yeah. So yeah, I, he's not. He can just leave that alone. Yeah. yeah he, <laughs> that's, he, that's that. that that buyout ain't coming. Yeah, that's not coming. That ain't He's getting traded. Because there's no reason. There's zero reason. There's zero reason to buy him out. Even if you Andre Iguodala him, that makes more sense than buying him out if you're not in the tax. If you were in the tax, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, him leaving five million on the table gets you out the tax. But it's like if you ain't in the tax, what's the point? So anyway, that's all I got. Um that's all we have. Thank y'all for listening to another episode. Um, and once again, I am Dwight. The middle-aged man, oh, I'm, I'm not going to claim that. I'm not middle-aged yet, but I'm getting the, the old man of the crew. Uh, my ad is at 517-2214. Another episode with the prodigy, Young SJ at SJ Basketball 8. Appreciate y'all for listening. We will holler at y'all later. Peace.